Hi, this is Jeff Pitts, pastor of the Collective Church in Cleveland, Tennessee. We hope this message helps you to live on purpose for His purposes. Now here's the message. A brand new series, guys, called At the Table. Who's ready to, like, eat? Who was fasting? Like, I miss tacos. Like, not going to even lie about it. Like, was, like, me and tacos have a thing. Like, uh, and I did finally eat some Chex Mix the other day. So if you were here... <laughs> Thank you, Autumn. Autumn's always cheering me on. So I thought the best thing to come out of a fast to do would be talk about eating. Who's with me on that? Yes. No, 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 nobody fasted, apparently. Like, <laughs> you come out of a fast, and let's talk about food. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Rachel's family, um, when she was in college, owned a barbecue restaurant called Choctaw Willie's, like in Orlando. Choctaw Willie's. No, so that fast? It was incredible, y'all. Like, it was, like, the, like, it was so good. Like, I can't explain to you how good it is. Like, it's so good that when her dad comes to town, like, I, like, ask him to smoke things. Like, he, gets a, he has a smoker in our backyard they left here, and I was like, like, will you just smoke ribs and brisket and, and pork butt, which is, like, that's the best thing ever. I know it sounds disgusting, but it's amazing. And we just eat barbecue. And so I was, I was we, the first time I went down there um, to visit her family, and they had the barbecue restaurant, like, we just sat down at the, this back table, and we just sit there, and they start bringing ribs, just, just like ribs and fries. They just bring it out. Don't ask for it. They just bring it out. And so I'm like, this must be dinner, ribs and fries. Like, so for 20 minutes, we eat ribs and fries. And then the waitress comes, and she goes, I'm going to go ahead and take your order. And I was like, this is like, I already ate like two meals worth of ribs and fries, but I'll have this. And, and her mom's sitting there, and I make a joke because I always like to be funny. And I said, y'all make eating an Olympic sport around here. And her mom has since passed. But every time we sat down to dinner, her mom would remind me that eating was an Olympic sport at the barbecue restaurant. And I tell you that story because what I think happens is great things happen around our tables. I, I know we took a break from... From, uh, from feasting per se, and we fasted for 14 days, and some of us completely fasted for part of that time, and Daniel fasted, and we did some other things. But what I believe is that, that great things happen around tables. And scripturally, I think we see that too. If you got your Bibles, we're going to read from Matthew 5, verse 27 and 32. Um, I'm sorry, Luke 5. It's the story of Matthew. It's Luke 5, 27 through 32. Um, we'll have it on the screen as well. It says, after this, anytime you see after this, it means something just happened. So after this means that, that Jesus had just been walking and healed a paralyzed man and also forgave him of his sins. So that's significant. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Now, Levi and Matthew are the same person, okay? So, Levi and Matthew are interchangeable. That's, they're both his names. Sitting at a tax booth. Follow me, he said to him. And he got up and followed him, leaving everything behind. Then Levi gave a great banquet in his house for Jesus, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. But the Pharisees... And their experts in the law complained to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So 
it's interesting. It's kind of like there's a cast of characters in in the story. Um, one of my favorite movies ever is The Sandlot. Have you ever watched The Sandlot? I love The Sandlot. I hope like is probably top ten favorite movies. Um, before there were memes, there were just things we quoted from movies. And You're Killing Me Smalls was probably my like top three things I said all the time. So uh, I still say it to my to my kids. Um, the Sandlot is like this ragtag bunch of kids that that play baseball in what we call a sandlot. It's just like an open field space. And they never really compete. They're just playing against each other. And they're always getting better and improving. It's like one big practice game over and over. And there's just this cast of characters. And then there's the Little League team, right, that confronts them. And they're like, because they got the uniforms and they've got the, the whole bit and they play on this real field, like they think they are like the bee's knees. That would be like a 60s thing to just kind of tell. They were, they were the great ones. They were, they were the real team. They were the, the ones that were the real baseball players. And there's this like encounter that leads to a game where the Sandlot group takes on the Little League team. In the words of Scotty Smalls, we crushed them. We clobbered them. And this ragtag bunch of kids that play pickup baseball beat the team that wore the uniforms. When I read this, it's almost like seeing the Sandlot. So there's, there's the outcast. Those are the tax collectors and sinners. That's your, that's your Scotty Smalls and Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Because tax collectors were not liked in Jesus' time. And it's not like your CPA, D. Like, like, I mean, people like CPAs because they help them get money back from the government. So tax collectors would have these booths and typically in port towns, and you would come, and if you were a fisherman especially, you would say, I caught this many fish, and they would tax you on it. And the problem with tax collectors is they were Jews that didn't really work for the Hebrews. They worked for the Romans. So they were collecting a Roman tax on their own people. And here's how they made money. They surcharged the tax. So, so there in Israel is a Roman-occupied sort of state, Jerusalem and all of Judea, the whole area is Roman-occupied, and you have people who are Jewish people working for Rome, collecting money from their own citizens, and surcharging them to take more money. Let me ask you a very simple question. Do you think they were well-liked? No, thank you, Chris. No, no, they were not like somebody in their head's going, probably, I don't know, maybe. No, they were hated. They were despised. They were considered cheaters. They were considered people who were like, like traitors. They're like, why would you work for Rome? Because they need a job. They were good at it, apparently. So the outcasts were tax collectors. That's what Matthew was. That's what Levi, as Luke calls him. And he had a group of friends that he hung out with called sinners. Now, now we just use this term as like people who do wrong. Like, you're just a sinner. Like, this is a term we use. But in the first century culture, a sinner was actually sort of like a collective of people or a people group. They were, um, it's how they identified themselves. And a sinner was somebody in Israel who had gotten fatigued with culture the religious culture, gotten fatigued with the, the system of the temple, gotten fatigued with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, and they were just tired of it. 
They were people who maybe were deconstructing their faith. They were people who nowadays we call ex-evangelicals. People who just said, you know what? I'm no longer that. I'm Jewish. I'm Hebrew. But I'm no longer doing the church thing. And so they became a people group in Israel that they became identified as sinners. And these are Matthew's friends. These are the, the outcasts of society. These are the ones that, that, that are the ones that, that Matthew's hanging out with and associating with. And the ones that, as Jesus walks by and says, Matthew, come follow me, he goes, I'm going to throw a party. And guess who I'm inviting? These people, the outcasts, the traitors, the sinners. I don't think Matthew was out to impress Jesus with his guest list. Because if he was, he would have been like, hey, Pharisees. Because the, the Pharisees were, were the little league team. They're, they're the insiders. They're the religious right. They're the ones who dress appropriately. They're the ones that know all the prayers. They're the ones that go to the synagogue and do all the, the, the temple things. They're the ones who make sacrifice. They're the ones who walk elegantly and know all the Torah. They're the ones who criticize you when you break the Sabbath. That's the little league team in the sandlot. That's who, who, who Matthew would have invited if he was trying to impress Jesus. But instead he goes, goes, hey, all my friends, hey, all, all the people I hang out with, hey, all of you guys who, who regularly hang, look like me, y'all want to come to my house? Y'all want to come to dinner? I, this guy named Jesus who, who just called me to follow him, and I just left the whole business behind. I left my multi-million dollar business behind to follow a rabbi. Y'all want to come have dinner? And the Bible tells us that, that not only does he throw a party or a dinner, he throws a banquet for a large crowd of tax collectors and sinners for Jesus. Here's why it's important. The rabbis, the, the Pharisees, the religious right wouldn't speak to these people, let alone sit at the table with them. They would, they would go out of their way on the road or redirect themselves rather than acknowledge them and acknowledge their existence. If they saw one of these people who were outsiders and outcasts, they would intentionally go a different direction because they didn't want to acknowledge they were even in the same space. And they're like, why would you have dinner with them? Why, why would you sit at the table with them? We've all been college students or our college students. And probably one of the great fears in our life is going to the cafeteria by ourselves. You know, you, you know it is. You know nobody goes by themselves, right? Because there's the awkward moment of going in and you get your food and you scan the room. And you're looking, you're looking for somewhere to sit. 
You're looking for someone you know because you don't want to be that person that sits alone. Come on, let's be honest about it. Nobody sits alone in the cafeteria. That's the weird kid, right? You're just like, and internally, you may you not know, say it out loud, but you made fun of that kid. You're like, that kid's got no friends. They came to the cafeteria by themselves. Did you see they're eating the international food? You know it ain't any good, right? You've already processed everything about it. Like, so you will wait. You'll be like, um, when are you guys going to the cafe? Right, because you got to go together. Why? Why? Because you want to sit with somewhere and with somebody where you belong. Because it's not about the food at the cafeteria, because it's not good. Let her preach, right? I mean, the pizza's okay. No, if the university people are listening, sorry. If the faculty and the cafeteria people, it's okay. I'm not going to like say it's terrible. But we don't go there because it's a great meal. Why? We go to the cafeteria, one, because we need sustenance, but two, because it's time with somebody. It's, it's time to connect with somebody. It's time to eat a meal together and have conversation, and it's time to connect and in a church where we call it fellowship. And this is the purpose behind Matthew throwing a banquet and inviting his friends because he was saying, listen, come to my house or come to this, this banquet hall. Come and eat a meal with us and this man named Jesus. And this man, Jesus, was cool with hanging out with the weird kids, the outcasts. And dinner for Jewish people was more than dinner. Dinner was more than just a meal. There's a Jewish magazine I read this week about this. It said that eating is a social task which transforms the biological need into a community of intimacy and shared experience. The Jewish meal was meant for intimacy, fellowship, and significant conversation. And one writer said that if they shared a meal and the Torah wasn't talked about, which is their scripture, it was a wasted meal. So this is not this is not just Taco Bell, right? This is not just somebody going, hey, let's roll up and get some Chick-fil-A nuggets. This is not somebody going, hey, let's just eat together. This is time together. Elaborate, long hours of sitting. Now, we sit at chairs like this, right? This is not how they sat. They would have been at a table that was about six to eight inches high, and they would have laid on their side, and somebody's face would have been right here. Like every introvert just took a deep breath. When I say it was intimate, it was close, and it was a long time of sitting and eating and talking, and connecting, and getting to know one another, and having community. It wasn't just a meal. How we live in America, this is, this is how we live in America, and it's, it's, it's something we have to change. I rolled up to the stoplight the other day, and a guy had his hamburger and fries in his car. He's got one hand on his phone, the other on the cheeseburger, and I hope his knee was driving. Like, I hope so, because I'm not sure how he's getting where he's going. That was his meal. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't hours of sitting and connecting 
It wasn't, it wasn't long conversation filled with tears, maybe some laughter, and maybe a joke that carries the family for years that it's an Olympic sport. It was Jesus going to the outcasts and going, yeah, I'll sit at your table. Yeah, Levi, I'll come to your house. Yeah, let's have dinner. Dinner was costly. It wasn't just a meal. To go to the table with somebody in the first century meant investing your life. And it's why the Pharisees couldn't understand why he was doing it. Let me help you understand the difference. There was a parable Jesus tells in Luke 18 to help illustrate these distinctions between these two people groups called Pharisees and tax collectors. And let me read it to you because it makes the most sense. And it says this, Luke 18 and 9. Jesus told this parable to some who were confident that they were righteous and looked down on everyone. This would be the Pharisees. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself like this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, extortionists, unrighteous people, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. The tax collector, however, stood far off, would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, sinner that I am. Pharisees self-righteous into what they do. This parable shows the tax collector, though a traitor, an outcast, says, God, look on me a sinner. Jesus at the, the end of Luke 5 says this to us. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. But those who are sick. It's not that both groups, the Pharisees and the tax collectors, weren't sick, just the tax collector recognized their sickness. The, it wasn't that the Pharisees weren't sick with their sin and their self-righteousness. They just didn't recognize it. They didn't realize it. They didn't want to see it. It was the tax collector who knew they needed somebody. They needed a Savior. It was the tax collector and the sinner who recognized they needed salvation. So when Matthew says, come meet this man, Jesus, who just called me to leave everything and follow him, they go, i got to see about this. I'll see, I'll come to your banquet hall. I'll come to your house and I'll have an intimate dinner with this man named Jesus. Matthew invites his friends, his coworkers, and fellow outcasts because of one purpose and one purpose alone. Jesus made him feel like he belonged. We circle back to the beginning of the story. Levi, come follow me. Matthew, leave it all behind and follow me. Matthew, you belong. You belong with me. Matthew, you belong. 
my prayer as a pastor is that people walk in this house, walk into our church, and they're not the lonely kid in the cafeteria looking for a place to sit. But they go, I belong. I belong. So we're intentionally going to do some things to invite people to the table of our church in our life. And here's how we're going to do it. And this is where you guys come in. This is the response for you guys. We are creating what we call a family table. Family table. If you've been to our house on a Sunday lunch, and many of you have, like it's us and our kids and it's conversation and it's food and we usually take a long time getting there. And so Rachel and I were like, how can we do this as a church? Because we clearly can't have all y'all at our house for Sunday lunch and all your friends to our house. Now, that'd be great. So how do we do this as a church? Here's how we're going to do it. Once a month, we're going to open this building and our fellowship hall, and we're simply going to host a meal. For your friends who feel like outcasts, who are ex-evangelicals, or they're, they're de-whatevering the church, and they're taking it all apart, they're deconstructing or reconstructing, or they don't know if they believe in Jesus, or they think Jesus isn't for them, or, or they've never even heard of Jesus, or they just are like don't have a home, or they just want a home-cooked meal, we're going to say, come and sit with us and eat. And we're going to talk, and we're going to connect, and we're going to hang out, and we're going to eat. Because that's what Jesus would do. It's not, let me tell you what it's not. It's not a bait and switch. It's not like, hey, come have a meal, and then Pastor Jeff's going to get and preach a sermon. That's not it. Like, just to be clear, that's not it. Not that I would mind. I like to preach. It is simply a place and space for your friends, for your fellow outcasts, for your people who feel like they don't connect anywhere else, to come and feel like they belong. Because this is what I know. People will feel like they belong long before they believe. People, people want to know if they belong before they're ever going to buy into the Jesus you're selling or telling them about or living out. They will walk in the doors of this church, and I tell you, this is statistical data. They make up their mind in three minutes if they're ever coming back because the question they are asking is, do I belong? Not what their doctrine is, not what songs do they sing, not do I like the preacher, not if the environment is cool. The thing they are asking themselves is, do I belong? And we've got three minutes to help them feel that. So what we're going to do is take an entire night once a month to go, you belong. Come and eat with us. So in two weeks from now, on Super Bowl Sunday, because we knew nobody was coming to church Super Bowl Sunday anyways, don't act like, don't act like, you, like you were. You were like, I'm going to go to Super Bowl party, going to hang out with my friends. Super Bowl Sunday on a Sunday night, instead of our normal service, we're going to have our first family table. And you have one job. Invite, invite, invite. Bring your friends that feel like outsiders. 
Bring your friends who don't feel like church is for them. Bring your friends who don't know what they believe. Bring your friends who just go, well, I don't like the people at church anyways, because you know what? We're not going to have church that night. We're just going to sit, and we're going to eat, and we're going to hang out, and we're going to have a meal, and we're going to watch some football. But we're going to sit around a table together and show people that they belong. Because what I know is, long before they believe, they want to know they belong. And that's the story of Matthew. That's the story of of Levi, the tax collector, who felt like he belonged with Jesus so much that he invited all of his friends to come meet him. And that's what we want to be. Jonathan, you'll come up and close us. So the, the response tonight is simple. It's just super easy. As we close in a song, here's the prayer I want you to pray. God, who do I need to invite? Lord, who do you want me to invite? Who feels like they don't belong? And when the Lord reveals that person, maybe not tonight, maybe as you're out and about and you're at the cafeteria, you're at Chick-fil-A, or you're in your dorm, or you're just out of work, God's going to go, this is who it is. And then you have to operate in obedience to say, hey, would you come to our church? We're going to have a family table. We're just going to eat together and hang out and watch the Super Bowl. Would you come? Ask God who it is. Have the courage to respond in obedience. Thanks for listening to our podcast. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Now go be the collectives.